Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the distinctive terms that you're going to see in Cynic philosophy more broadly, but also especially in the Cynic epistles, these letters that are probably wrongly attributed to some of the key thinkers like Diogenes and Crates, is this term toil. And it's used both as a noun, ponos, and it's used as a verb, ponain, to engage in toil. And the idea is that these are things that we don't necessarily want to do. It's work. It's something we have to struggle in order to do. And this is so important to Cynic philosophy that in letter 16, he tells us Cynic philosophy is that of Diogenes. The Cynic is one who toils according to this philosophy. Hokata tauten ponon, the one who is toiling, right? And so this is not something you could say incidental or accidental. It's right there at the very heart of the cynic way of life. And in letter four, he sets out a really interesting and short encapsulation, you could say, of this. So it runs, whether toil is something to be be chosen or avoided, continue to toil away in order that you might not toil. For by not toiling, toil is not avoided. On the contrary, it is even pursued. Now there's a lot of toil going on in there and you might be doing some work to try to figure out precisely what is going on in this letter addressed to Hermaiskus. Let's break it down a bit. I think that might be helpful. So to, to begin with, put aside all the toiling and then think about choosing or avoiding and pursuing, right? Hyreton is to choose. Faukton, to avoid or to try to go away from, right? Dioketai is to pursue, to chase after. And so what is he saying here? Well, these are the basic terms you could say for deliberation and ethics and moral philosophy, prudential action in general in the ancient world in basically every single type of philosophy. There is this understanding that some things are to be chosen, some things to be avoided or rejected, some things because they're chosen are to be pursued. This is basic practical reasoning that he's talking about here. And when we're doing practical reasoning, quite typically, we're thinking in terms of like trade-offs or what we're going to prioritize, what we're going to give space to, what we're going to deny space to, how we're going to try to arrange our life. So the question then is, well, what do we make? of toil as a general category of activity. And we could say that part of what we need to read into this is that there's some toil that we can willingly take on and exercise ourselves through. And we could call that good toil, right? And then there's toil that we're going to have to deal with if we don't do the good kind of toil. Stuff it's not what we want, right? But it's gonna be, we could translate it as hassles or a whole lot of extra work or pick whatever else you want. So, you know, I think everyone is familiar with this notion of do a job right at the beginning and then you'll have less work to do later. It could be that you're 
just lazy or slipshod or you tried to conceal the fact that you didn't do what you're supposed to do. If you get caught, now you got to fix it, right? And this applies to everything in life, you could say. Let's take relationships just as a, a side note. Relationships are work, right? They're not this beautiful, idyllic, everything is going great all the time. If you want to be in a friendship, if you want to be married to somebody, if you want to have a good familial relationship, even if you want to just be a good coworker or a neighbor, you got to put in the work. And if you don't do it, if you slough off or if you cut corners later on, you're going to have more work to do. And it's not going to be work that you're happy engaging in and being forced to do. So whether toil is something to be chosen or avoided, the cynic thinks that you should choose some toil, right? So continue to toil away. Keep on doing the kind of toil that is required. Why? So that in order you, that you might not toil, so that you won't have to do other kinds of work later on. You won't be forced to do it. Choose to do it so that you won't be compelled later on because by not toiling, toiling is not avoided, right? You can avoid it right now. You can take it easy right now, but it's going to bite you in the butt, as we say, and you're going to have to do more later on. You're even pursuing it, whether you realize it or not, you are chasing after further labor, further ponos on your own part. And I think that there's another letter that doesn't mention toil as such, but is really germane to this issue and I think drives it home. And this is letter 35 to Opper saying, do well and do well, not in the sense of like being well, but do work well, right? Choose and do the right things. So he says that I've concluded from my own case that we human beings are distressed precisely when we wish to live a life without hardship. That is what a lot of people do in fact desire. A life without, you might say, conflict, right? A peristaton bion zane. And so a life in which we're not going to have to continually work at things. This is an unrealistic way of thinking about how our life could look. And so he goes on and he says, this wish is impossible, a mechanon, right? We must live with the body. So that's one source of needing to toil. And we must live with other people as well. And most hardships, as he says, are going to arise or issue from the folly of those who live in society and in turn from the body. So if a wise person lives by these principles, then they're going to be free from pain and confusion. They're going to be happy. But if they're ignorant of these, they're never going to cease from being dependent on vain hopes and being constrained by desires. And so he says, it's up to you, buddy. Do you want to live the life of the masses who don't have their heads on straight when it comes to this and dream about, for example, winning the lottery and being on easy street, never having to do anything again in their lives? Totally unrealistic point of view. Or do you want to live a more realistic existence where you recognize you're going to have to put up with some stuff and you're going to have to work, but it's going to be better for you. There's the possibility of genuine happiness being in a good condition. So toil figures into there. Another way in which toil 
is very important, you could say, in the ethics of the cynics. We find this in letter 15. He says, shun not only the worst of evils, injustice, and self-indulgence, but also their causes. What are their causes? Pleasures. For you will concentrate on these alone and on nothing else and pursue not only the best of goods, self-control and perseverance, and the words for those here, enkrateia, karteia. These are two sides of the same coin, being able to restrain yourself from indulging in pleasures and also being able to, you know, stand up to pains, to discomfort, to things that you don't necessarily want to do. And what's really important here, toil are the cause, the thing that produces literally poetica of self-control and endurance. If you want self-control and endurance, you have to apply yourself. You're not just going to be born with it. It's not a temperament thing. You actually have to work by doing things that you originally don't really want to do. And he says, don't shun toils on account of their harshness, right? Totrahu in this case. And he says, would you exchange inferior things for something great. Just as you receive gold in exchange for copper, you would receive virtue in exchange for toils, right? So by doing toils, you develop arete, virtue, the thing that makes us really good people and opens up the road to happiness for us. There's a couple interesting examples that are provided in these letters as well. So the first one that we'll look at is in letter 20. He is talking to Metrocles, who is Hipparchia's brother and a student of his. And he says, after you left us for home, I went down to the palestra of the young men. And after anointing myself with oil, so that's one of the things, think about going to the gym, right? Anointing yourself with oil. Okay, we don't typically do that, but that was something that they did back in ancient Greece quite a bit. And a lot of people just like sit around, sort of like a lot of people will go to the gym and they'll do some exercises, but it's just all kind of light stuff. They're not going to go hit the weights. They're not going to get themselves into an intensive class. They're just, you know, wandering around to look good and have a social interaction, maybe pick up a date or something like that. So he says, when the young men caught sight of me, they started laughing at me. But I, lest I cease too quickly from exercising, exhorted myself. So I'm talking to myself, right? I'm giving myself, you could say, affirmations. And what did Krates say? Krates, you are toiling, pones, right, is the, the word there, for what? For the eyes, for the head, for the ears, for the feet. You're toiling for these parts of your body. You are taking care of them. You're running. You're maybe doing some other exercises. These are going to keep you and your bodily parts in good condition. And what happens then? Well, these young men, they hear him saying this and they stop laughing. Instead, he says, they made a start and began to run. And from that time on, they no longer merely anointed themselves with oil, but kept exercising. And there's a payoff to this. What is that? They are not always sick as formerly. They thanked me for being the cause of their health and did not leave me, but continued to follow me wherever I went, listening to me and imitating what I said and did. And he says, you know, I'm writing you, Metrocles, so that you too might run, not by yourself, but where the young men spend their time. We must provide for them. Action teaches endurance more quickly than words. A tenant found only in the philosophy of Diogenes. So he's saying, show your toil to other people. Show that, you know, and it's not just working for the sake of working, right? It's working out in an intentional way so that you'll feel better later. 
There are some letters addressed to Metrocles' sister, Hipparchia, who Crates married after she decided she wanted to marry him. And he said, cynic lifestyle is not for everyone. She's like, you're the guy for me. Now they lived apart at different points. And it's interesting because we get a, a real contrast here. So in two of the letters, he's not actually using the word poil. And I'll actually mention one other letter that's addressed to Hipparchia, where he says, women are not by nature worse than men. Women and men can both do the same sorts of things, right? But he goes on and he says, I'm returning this tunic that you wove and sent to me. Why? Because those of us who live a life of perseverance, karterea, right? Endurance is another way of translating it. Those of us who are committed to this cynic lifestyle, we can't wear that kind of stuff. And I do so for another reason. I want you to stop doing this task, which you've undertaken with zeal so that you might appear to the masses to be somebody who loves her husband. So the typical work that would indicate to the average person that Hipparchia really does love Crates, making him garments, making him clothing. He's like, I don't want you to do that. I want you instead to be practicing philosophy. That's how you're going to be. He says, I married you for the sake of philosophy renounce these pursuits and try to be of greater benefit to human life. A little bit later in letter 32, he says, some have come from you bringing a new tunic, which they say you made so I might have it for the winter. Because you care for me, I approved of you, but because you're still not practicing the philosophy which I've tutored you, I censure you, meaning I'm criticizing you here. And he says, if you really care for me, stop doing this. Stop doing this kind of work and instead do the work on yourself that we committed to as cynics in this kind of marriage. Now, in letter 33, he's praising her instead. So he's congratulating Hipparchia on the birth of presumably their first child. They had two children, according to you know, what we know about them. He says, I hear that you've given birth and that quite easily, thanks be to God and to you. You believe, it seems, that toiling is the cause of your not having to toil. Once again, we see what he had talked about in letter four. Toiling at the start is a reason for you not having to toil later. In this case, it has to do with childbirth and raising healthy children, a very important concern back then, just as it is now. He goes on and he says, you would not have given birth so easily unless while pregnant, you'd continue to toil as the athletes do, doing physical exercise, right? Most women, however, when they're pregnant are enfeebled and when they give birth, those who happen to survive bring forth sickly babies. You have a healthy baby because you actually did physical work while you were pregnant and so that made the labor easier and now the baby is ready to be initiated into a life of toil yourself. He says, you'll take care of him if you enter into child rearing with your usual concern. Let his bath water be cold, his clothes be a cloak, his food be milk not to excess. Rock him in a cradle made from a tortoise shell. This, they say, protects against childhood diseases. And then he says, when he's able to speak and walk, dress him not with a sword, but a staff and cloak and wallet and send him to Athens. What is a staff and cloak and wallet? The typical accoutrement of the cynic sage or wise person, or at least somebody committed to cynicism. We could say the cynic practitioner. So he's congratulating her on having applied this lesson about toil in a way that benefits not just her, 
but also their child and presumably other people as well. So very interesting discussion of the necessity of toil, but it's not just a acceptance and saying, oh, well, we all have to struggle. It's choosing the right kind of toil that is distinctive of the cynic way of life. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.